is something that isn't shown enough, you know. Alluded to enough. I don't want to see it. Well, no. (laughs) Danny Webb's great chest hair is enough for me. Enough Danny Webb chest hair for a lifetime. Welcome to Midsummer Maniacs, a recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. Ooh, the ghosts. Scary ghosties. Not really. No. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And if your kids are too scared of ghosts for this episode, they probably shouldn't listen to the podcast. If your kids are too scared of ghosts to watch this episode of Midsummer, they're weenies. They are indeed weenies. (laughs) I would agree. The only thing scary about the ghosts in this episode is that there's not enough of them. Yes. I wish there were more ghosts. Real ghosts. But before we dive into the silent land... Uh, A couple of things. Just a reminder that we're doing best Barnaby bits because we have... Four Barnaby episodes left after this one. So we have... We will have a special episode to say goodbye to Tom Barnaby. After those four episodes. And we would love your input. So really, the the month of March, we'll have four episodes of Barnaby plus Mm -hmm. the best bits Barnaby. That's the first week of April. Which Mm -hmm. we want your input on. And then we'll take a, a week or two off and then we'll return with the John Barnaby episodes of season 14. Yes. Yes. So just a note, we'd love to hear from you. When we hear your voice, it's awesome. So if you're interested... In all, telling us about your favorite Tom Barnaby moments. And need to some instructions about this. What you do is on your phone, the easiest way is to go to your voice recording or voice memo section mm-hmm. and record a voice memo or recording by pushing the record button, which is usually red and usually a little white circle. Mm-hmm. Then there's probably a three dots button or a share button somewhere on that application that'll allow you to put it in an email and send it to midsummermaniacs at gmail.com. Yay! And that's all you need to do. And we would love to get your emails. I hope we get so many notes. that we have trouble fitting them all in. Yes. I want, I want to do a whole episode of hearing your voices yes but we'll add commentary of oh course. of course <laughs> well not of you we won't mock you right? <laughs> no we would never do that so. <laughs> but we are eager to hear what you think tom barnaby's favorite your favorite moments of him and joyce it's it's also goodbye to joyce yes it so, is in fact goodbye to joyce which i realized also today but nothing to be sad about no Not sad. We're going to have lots of fun. Second of all, we got some emails from some amazing people. Some maniacs. Email us. Some maniacs. First of all. (laughs) We love getting emails from maniacs. We got an email from a woman who says that her name is Sarah Sharp. She goes by another name, but... Which is a character in this episode, if you don't remember. And and she sent this email that's that's so exciting it's like at 3 30 in the afternoon and she's like i'm in this episode Woohoo! am i the murderer do i get murdered i'm excited to find out <laughs> and then and then 
three hours later, we get an email saying, concerning my original email, <laughs> Sarah Sharp wasn't the murderer or murdered. Lame. In fact, I'm not even sure why she was in this episode. We agree. <laughs> we agree. Thank you, Sarah, for sending that. That's fantastic. Uh, and then we got another email that I wanted to talk about, which said, first of all, I love you both on the podcast. You really cheer me up and the rally car, car noises specifically. Yep. yep. This is from Heather. And she says, Silent Land is one of my favorite episodes because I go ghost hunting. Not at the moment, of course, but once again, when she goes, she likes to go and uh, she's from Hull, England, which is uh, always interesting to me because Hull, to me, is a French name. Yeah. Because it's the city in Quebec that's right across from Ottawa, mm -hmm. but it's a named after an English town. Yeah. So speaking of which, Heather is a ghost hunter. She has a little bit of expertise uh, on a topic that's in this week's episode, we would like to hear from experts among our listeners, among the maniacs, on topics that will be mentioned in future episodes. So, for example, one of the upcoming episodes mentions boxing. If you're a boxer or if you have some kind of area of expertise in boxing and you want us to know something about how boxing is portrayed in that episode, we'd love to hear from you. And, you know, any topic in any future episode, if you've got some expertise and you want to contribute, we'd love to hear from you before we record that episode. Yep. And if you send us a voicemail message, uh, we might be able to include it in the episode. So... Yep, absolutely. I think we want more maniac input. We want more maniac <laughs> input. And speaking of, Ben Sorensen was awesome last week. That you, was really fun. You guys uh, gave him lots of love and we really appreciate it. And he was just fantastic. We could have talked to him all day. We could have. Yeah. I just want to reiterate, he is highly involved in the Melbourne Comedy Festival that's coming up in the next couple of months. So if you're in Australia, go support Ben and uh, help out with that comedy festival because he definitely works insanely hard to get information out about that. And hey, all laughter is good laughter right now. Absolutely. So those lucky Australians can go to a festival. We're not going like to talk about that. <laughs> We're Episo still not allowed to be around each other. Episode sad. number four of season 13, episode 77, The Silent Land. Did you ever figure out why it's called The Silent Land? No. I think it's a biblical reference, but I couldn't find it. Okay. There's another book on Amazon called The Silent Land, which is a 2018 book, which actually sounds really interesting. <laughs> this couple are in France, and they're skiing, and they get caught by an avalanche, and when they dig themselves out, everything is dead quiet, and everyone is gone from the resort. Ooh, yeah, that does sound interesting. interesting. It sounds so, more interesting than the plot of this episode. It uh, certainly <laughs> does. So We've got some problems. Uh, this was filmed in October and November 2009. So they missed the chance to make this Halloween episode and broadcast 22nd of September 2010. 5.45 million views with uh, directed by Peter Smith and written by Peter J. Hammond. 
Here's how I think the writing meeting went. Somebody said, we should have a ghost walk episode. Yes. Because that would be really fun. Yes. And you know, Joyce is going to want to go on that ghost walk episode. Yes. And then there's like a murder. And abandoned buildings. Those are hot right now too. Abandoned buildings are good, especially if they're like old hospitals or sanatoriums. All those are really cool. Yeah. Okay, now let's write it. And then BDSM Sun Florist. No. Volunteer Librarian? Yeah. No. No. (laughs) The whole plot gets like shoved over to the side and buried under a guy who has too much personality and then, you know, the episode happens. Yeah, and then they absolutely had to remove scenes from this episode. There are things that happen that people make reference to that we don't see happening. (laughs) (laughs) When I was looking at the IMDb uh, reviews of this episode, one of the the first ones I read was, how did they know who the killer was? (laughs) Like, you're right. There, there's some, some gaps that we just have to suspend our disbelief and float over like a ghostie of a Victorian nurse. We're not here to see Liam because he would be the obvious suspect (laughs) yeah oh no first up i easily spent 20 minutes on the first 10 seconds of this episode (laughs) i've never felt sorry for cully before there's a notice board (laughs) with several notices on it that i could read okay cully and joyce are at this recital concert of traditional folk songs sung by one guy named bryn vaughn right yes and so we get the we get the notice board and we get the table display of his CDs that are available for purchase and what's on that notice board. Oh no, this is the notice board outside of the place. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a car boot sale notice, spring market, lost dog, digging up the past, the market church market bowling club has a sign. Okay. There's also something about cakes and a concert, which is the concert they go to. So nothing interesting. Is no, that what you're saying? No. Thank you for telling us all about it then. I looked at all of them. There was nothing <laughs> Just interesting. Just in case. There. Yep. Also, why is Cully regressed into a 12-year-old girl? Okay, I think I would too. This concert is at least an hour long. I would not have survived it. <laughs> he's working, man. I know, and I'm glad that people appreciate that music, and he's clearly a talented singer, but it is not for me. Okay, so And then Joyce does something purely evil. She purchases the CD and she listens to it on the way home. That that Poor is, Cully. That is okay. Double so evil. Listen I think we need to make clear, especially to our American audience, that folk music in in the UK and Europe is a different thing than folk music here. Well, and I think the kind of folk music we refer to here is there as well, but this is older. Yes, music than that, much, right? much older. Yeah, this is like traditional ballads. Yeah, it's going more, back to the medieval age. More probably. what's called traditional music. Yeah. Here. Well, yeah. we just don't have music that old here. For, for, <laughs> yes. For instance, uh, he's singing "Drink to Me Only with Thine Eyes," which is a song that has the lyrics that are taken from Ben Jonson which was first published in 1616, which in America in 1616, there are trees and Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. It was quiet and peaceful here then. Yes. Also going on a ghost walk. And I'm going to get all this out right now. The ghost walk is the best thing that happens to this town and they all hate it. I know. I mean, March Magna is not a big place. 
I think we know from this episode, we know everybody who lives there, like all 12 of them or whatever. Clearly that's all that's there because if there were more people, they'd be in the pub sometimes. They're not. So that's it. Jeff Bowmaker is bringing people into town and they're spending money. Mm -hmm. Some of them may stay overnight at the bed and breakfast. Some of them may stay overnight at the inn. They certainly could eat at the inn. If they were smart, they would meet at the inn for for a beer, go out for the walk and end there. And and the, the bishops... Mary and Vic, who own the pub, should appreciate that. They should be all supportive. Now, I'm not condoning Jeff Bowmaker's activities. <laughs> he is a sleazy guy. Okay? Yes. Okay? And I'm also not condoning people like, uh, it's a personal pet peeve of people who take advantage of other people with fake supernatural stuff. Yeah. Like psychics and mediums that prey on people with recently dead relatives, spiritual photography, all that jazz. I hate it all. So he, he he's making fun of all that. I don't think he actually thinks that there's any of that spiritual stuff going on. You don't? That that you supernatural stuff. You don't you don't think he believes in any of it? No. He strikes me as somebody who would love it love for it to be true, but kind of knows that it's not. I think so. Other than that, and the fact that he names the ghost walk after himself, why does he name the ghost walk after himself? He puts his own face on the front of the brochure. That I understand because, of course, it's Danny Webb, <laughs> yeah. who is fantastic. And always over the top in Midsummer. <laughs> but then he calls it the JB Ghost Walk. Uh, like, what? Not the March Magna Ghost Walk. No, no. Like, it could be anywhere. I guess. Where was he before? He's staying at the bed and breakfast as if he's new to town and doesn't have any place else to live. He lives there now. (laughs) Where did he come from? How long has he been there? I don't know. Is he on the run from the police? He has dreams of setting up with fate. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. So we'll get to her. Oh, the, the, oh, Joyce, 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 Joyce and Cully are driving home and they go past the old hospital right which is a tuberculosis hospital right which we'll get into they go past the brick wall that's opposite the cemetery and joyce thinks somebody walks in front of the car making her slam on the brakes and swerve which runs them into a tree-filled ditch okay so the individual in front of their car is corporal mm-hmm. okay it is an actual person mm-hmm. that is never explained <laughs> who that person is like if it had been faith coming home from secretly meeting jeff easy simple put in a scene in which it has that yeah okay second problem here okay joyce and cully are in the car crash okay yep they're gonna require some medical attention at least to be checked out and make sure they're okay so you have at the very least, a constable in a car, because that's a crash. They're off the road mm-hmm. and an ambulance. And when Barnaby shows up the next morning, it's like he's never been there. So did he not get out of bed and go see her? I don't think we can examine this too closely, but here's what I think happened. Let's say the concert ended at 10, right? It's a folk traditional music concert. It's yep. not going to go till midnight no, or anything. No, they're not going to be doing many on. So let's say it's 10 o'clock. It's... It's raining. It's not raining where the ghost walk is, by the way, but it's raining where they're driving. Exactly. They crash the car. They call for help. Tom comes out along with everybody else, takes them home, saying there's nothing we can do until the morning when there's light. Okay. Then in the morning, 
they go back to where the car is to have it towed out and and see and that's when joyce first tells him she thinks she may have hit somebody okay so meaning when when she got home the night before she kept her mouth shut i don't know why she didn't say it then okay but we're going to keep a running tab on this otherwise joyce was on the side of the road all night yep which is crazy this accident happened at 10 p.m i'll come back to this later second of all was Barnaby nice to her in the middle of the night when he came and got her? Because he's certainly not nice to her in the morning. He's not. He is such a jerk to he her. He just lectures her the whole way home. And I think it's because he's worried. It scared him that they got in an accident. So he's being a nag out Which of concern. I understand. But it's not the right way. I understand him doing that on the night. Yeah. Having that initial reaction. Yeah. But by the morning, he should be over it. No, it's, yeah. Suspension of disbelief. It's morning. And Ian (laughs) Kent is walking his dog. Do you know what his dog's name is? No, but I know it's actually that actor's dog. His name is Echo. Echo. What a silly name for a dog. (laughs) Echo, 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 Echo. The actor's name is Aiden uh, Gillette, and that's his dog. He used his own dog. I wonder if they had to pay his dog. I don't know. But the lady... Before we move too far... During the ghost walk, there's a woman who kind of hangs back. Yes. And sees something in the graveyard. No, no, no. Before that, before they get to the graveyard, after when they're on Chain Alley. Yes. Where Lucy Law was killed. Ooh. Ooh. The group moves on and she kind of lingers. And, and Jeff uh, Bowmaker says, I hope you're insured against death if, with, from fright or whatever. Yep. That woman is the librarian from the Costin Library. Yes. She's not identified, but she's the same actress. I assume she's playing that character, just unnamed in this episode. Yes, I would agree. So the sanatorium, the the TB hospital, they say closed 60 years ago. So in the 1940s, it closed. Yes. Which would make sense time-wise. So we have have four families, really. We have Gerald and Faith. uh, Sorry, Ian and Faith. Mm -hmm. The Kents. The freelance historians. Yes, which... Don't exist. Adam, Jessica, and Liam Peach, the florists. Which couldn't make a living in this town. Right. The Carvers, who, Alice and John, who are the B&B. Who couldn't make a living in this town. And do, what, does he have tuberculosis? Is that know. why he coughs all the time? He's the TB gardener. And then there's Mary and Vic Bishop, who own the pub. Who, I don't know how they stay in business. <laughs> With their five customers? Yes. They must charge a lot for their drinks. I think so. I know they have uh, like one and a half sandwiches under a cover on and the counter. There's no one else in that town. That look really gross. Yes. There's no one else in town. Yeah. Peach Perfect Florist. Come on. It's, what is up with that name? Peach Perfect is a play on Pitch Perfect, yes. which is music. What does yeah. that have to do with flowers? I don't know. And why is their name Peach? Why aren't they Peachy Keen florists? I don't know. Well, Liam's not Peachy Keen about anything. Or Pretty as a Peach florist. Something. <laughs> yeah, Liam Peach is the village creep. Do you think Liam is the little brother? Yes. Because he's doing prime little brother stuff. Oh, yes. As a little brother, I'm you know. the littlest brother. I know. He as is a doing sister. some excellent... I'm not doing any work and I'm letting the sister do all the work thing. Yeah. Yeah. And let me be shocking and inappropriate. That's what they teach us at little brother school. (laughs) Joyce is really upset. She is. And she should be. She is absolutely fine. And then 
Barnaby, like like a horrible person, drops this thing that there's a body in Midsummer Magna and then just leaves. And waits all day. Yes. Ten. It is dark outside when he returns and finally tells her. And he's known about the stone that killed Gerald. All day. Well, at least since late afternoon. He could have called her and let her off the hook. He could have called her. Meanwhile, nobody has opened the library. Oh my God. All three people who go to the library are upset. (laughs) Why does this town have a library and it has 12 people in it? It's a room that they call a library. Yes. That is clearly volunteer run. This is not the first time that we've had... It employs two people. Yes. This is not the first time we've had a library in Midsummer not open on time. Mm -hmm. Right? The episode where the rainbirds return also has a library that's not opened on time. Yes. And the reason it's not opened on time is that Gerald, whose job it is to open it on a Thursday. It's Thursday, by the way. It's Thursday. It's Gerald's day to open the library. It's Thursday. Where's Gerald? Where is Gerald? Gerald's a jerk and would be yelling at us if we hadn't opened the library. But where is he? Well, he's dead. Echo, echo, echo is finding him. I hope he believes in you, Alice. I certainly do. (laughs) Oh, my God. Jeff if some so man good. put his hand on mine and said that to me, I, I don't know if I could not laugh. I would definitely laugh. I would lose it. So What's Jeff, the best thing about necrophilia, Mark? Oh, not that joke. <laughs> wow. I'm Liam and I'm creepy. How did that get past ITV censors? Oh, so you can have boobs, but you can't have that tasteless joke? Oh, is that it? It's just dumb. I don't know why they didn't get a note that said... This is just dumb. Don't do it. <laughs> it's offensively dumb. <laughs> and okay, clearly Liam has a penchant <laughs> for being submissive to women. Okay. Specifically Sarah Sharp, the sexy librarian. What sucks is that and necrophilia get associated uh, then because because it's the same creepy guy. He's just tactless. If he made a joke that didn't involve necrophilia there, we wouldn't even be talking about this. No. <laughs> it's like, we just need to make Liam seem kind of gross so he can be the reddest herring ever. Yeah, like make a, <laughs> make a, ghost, make a ghost joke. Yeah. Or uh, why can't you have sex in a graveyard joke or yeah. something like that. Oh. <laughs> Jeff's room is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of Jeff's room is it has Danny Webb headshots. <laughs> he has his own headshots in yes. his in his room. Yes, like why why would you put up your own headshot? He's quite full of himself, Jeff Bowmaker. How long are you staying at this place that you forever poster? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a non-smoking room, so he currently starts to smoke and yells at John in the backyard. Let's talk about the graveyard. Okay. Because Gerald is found face down in the only well-tended grave in the graveyard. So I got interested in the difference between graveyards and cemeteries here. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, is this a graveyard? Is it a cemetery? What do they refer to it as? So by tradition, this is not a rule by any means because it's language and it's abstract and all those things. A graveyard is associated or nearby with a church. Right. Okay, and a cemetery is a location outside of a church. And the reason being is the churches got too full. Yeah. So we've seen lots of graveyards. 
And I think we've even talked about this before. I think we talked about it on an early episode, the difference between the two. Yeah. What we haven't talked about is that the UK has long had a problem with where to put dead people because it's an island. And there are millions of people on this island. And they're like dying all the time. All the time. And it has a lot of history and, and a good tradition of protecting historical places. Yes. So this graveyard is a protected historical place. Yes. And it is the burial place of victims of TB from the sanatorium. Which is of historical importance. Importance, right? Much to what's-his-name's chagrin. <laughs> like, has he Liam, never heard no, of social Adam. history? Like, Faith is, like, doing interesting history work while he's like... Oh, you mean Ian Kent. Yes. Faith's husband. Yeah. So the, I mean, we're not spoiling anything here, of course. I mean, the whole plot is that um, Adam Peach is mad because his wife couldn't be buried there because Gerald blocked it. Which he would have known before she died. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Nobody's been buried there for a very long time. Why would she have been the exception? Yeah. So this, so not only is it historical, but a lot of cemeteries and graveyards in the UK are just full, right? I mean, especially when you get around London, you got people buried kind of deep. Spitalfields being the the most major one in England. So this is an ongoing thing, and it's still true today, that if you live in a place where um, the cemeteries and graveyards are already full and they've run out, and you have to bury someone in a neighboring authority, you pay and you pay a lot, like up to three times more than for a plot where you live. It's like international su- students of dead bodies. Yes, because international are, are out-of-state students pay a yep. lot more tuition than in-state students. Yep. Out-of-state, out-of-authority burials are a lot more expensive than in-authority burials, right? Because your tax dollars have not contributed to the maintenance of that cemetery. Yes. So you got to make up for it. Adam Peach could be irritated because he has to pay so much more for his wife to be buried. Well, he has to go so far, halfway across the county. My gosh, it must be 30 minutes he's got to drive. Maybe. Maybe. So because this of is this, clearly a reason to kill two people. Yeah. <laughs> because of this, the UK has some interesting ideas about what to do about dead bodies, right? In a lot of places, like in Rome and in uh, Tokyo, it's it's common for a body to be dug up after like a year. Yeah. And then they cremate what's left and put it in an urn and put it, you know, it's more compact storage wise, right? Okay. So you can bury your loved one, but they, they don't stay in the ground for very long. The UK is kind of off of that. They don't, it keeps getting voted down for that mm-hmm. to be the policy. It's, it's still done, but it's not the law or anything. So their laws about where you can be buried are a bit more fluid than the ones here, I learned. So because of this uh, overcrowding in cemeteries and graveyards, the UK is a little bit more fluid with their laws. So I learned that it's legal to be buried on your own property if you own it. And the plot where you're going to bury the body is far enough away from a ditch or water source. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. There also needs to be 30 inches of soil between the surface of the ground and the top of the coffin. 30 there, inches. That's a lot. Just over two feet. He runs a flower shop. He obviously has some grounds. Could have buried her in the backyard. Could have buried her in the Maybe backyard. Maybe he rents. Maybe he rents. <laughs> but I fell into this hole of... 
of these people writing articles about where am I going to be able to be buried when I die? Because this is freaking me out. That every because I don't know why I did that accent. They're not from Tennessee. They're from the UK. Where will I be buried when I die? I don't know. Um, anyway, so <laughs> one of the options that has been proposed recently, okay, is this process I'd never heard of called permission. Have you ever heard of permission? No. Okay. This is a brand new thing where they freeze your body to negative 18 C. Okay. Then submerge it in liquid nitrogen at 196 negative C. Okay. But this is not being frozen to be unthought later. No, no. You're done. Then they vibrate your body until it shatters. Okay. Then run a very strong magnet over it to extract any metals like teeth, artificial joints, whatever. And then they just recycle you back into the soil. Oh. Sarah goes to open the library. Let's move on. (laughs) You're looking at me like I'm weird. Okay. Well, Sarah owns the library now because that's how work works. Does she have a job? Because this is a volunteer job, but she's like... No, it's not a volunteer. Who says it's a volunteer job? That was my impression. No, no. I think she's an employee. Well... She takes three hours to pick out what power suit she's going to wear. Yep. and then Which she- sexy librarian costume <laughs> should I put on so I can go rearrange the children's books? So then it gets interesting when she takes the stuff off the wall because there's stuff on the wall. Of course there is. Okay. Gerald has his I'm the librarian picture and she replaces it with hers. Right? Gerald's also an award winning librarian. Mm-hmm. He has won a Midsummer Librarian Award. Did you see what he won the librarian award for? Now, what would you normally think that you would get librarian awards for? Most committed to community programs. Or let's see what else. There could be most helpful, best research. Funds raised. Funds raised. No, no. He got one for writing. Writing? Yes. He wrote something with faith. Oh. He wrote... The Midsummer Medical Response to to Tuberculosis, 1855-1890, to and he received an award because he wrote that with faith. Okay. She does say that he was a fellow, like, history buff, and that he did have some good ideas about what was going on. He also has a customer service excellent award, which everyone said they hated him. How did he get a customer service award? Not by being nominated by the customers of the library, the patrons. And the government standard. (laughs) Whatever that is. Did She had her picture right there to go right up. Oh, yeah. Like they swapped them like, you know, the librarian on duty. Yep. Kind of deal. When. okay, so George is in the graveyard with his pack of blue suits. And at this point, finally. Barnaby tells Jones about Joyce. Yeah. Everyone would know about Joyce before this. It is a small place. There were cops out the night before. The car was outside the graveyard. (laughs) The other side of the trees that she crashed into is the graveyard. But no, no one knows, including Jones. 31 minutes into the episode, Joyce is still waiting at home, freaking out. That's not as important as what I have to say. Are you ready? Okay. I think George purposefully brushes Gerald's hand across his own crotch. I did not see that. (laughs) Wow. So they find the stone in the bushes, right? And then George makes this big thing about about putting the stone back to see that it fits, which he didn't need to do to check that it fits. And it just damages evidence. Don't get me started. We both know that. And then everybody cheers. (laughs) I know. Yay! But Gerald's arm 
is where the stone goes, right? So George kneels down and moves Gerald's hand. And the way he moves his hand, this poor actor playing a dead guy who can't do anything about it. (laughs) He takes his hand and I swear to God, brushes it across his own kneeling crotch and then sets it on the other side of his leg. George's crotch, by the way. I'm talking about George's crotch, not Gerald's. I was like, George. You, you could have just bent his elbow and put his hand next to his head, but instead he swings his arm way out and, goes, and, then, ah, he puts and the, then puts his puts the piece of the grave in the hole and everyone cheers. Huzzah! The murder weapon is found and damaged what? by cramming Why it back into that gap. Because they've all been searching, fingertip searching for a murder weapon. And they found it, and it fits like a puzzle. Yay! Did you know that the JB Ghost Walk is both highly acclaimed and world-renowned? Whoa. (laughs) It's world-renowned? This is from the brochure. Jeez. The brochure actually has quite a bit of interesting stuff on it. None of it funny, Mm -hmm. but it's they did a good job on that brochure. They obviously copied some existing ghost walk brochure yeah speaking of which if you'd like a more immersive experience just go on youtube and google uk ghost walk (laughs) there are so many people who run ghost walks all over the uk who have excellent home produced videos to promote (laughs) including one in oxford his name is bill specter Okay. Which we'll put in the show notes. Bill Spector in Oxford. If you live near Oxford or going to Oxford. When the plague is over, you should go up. Because, wow, his promo video, I watched it twice. It was that good. Yep. I had to see it again. He he does some good jobs. There's also a really good ghost walk in Pluckley in Kent. Okay. Which the Guinness Book of World Records named the most haunted village in the UK. Oh, they have 15 ghosts in Pluckley. If you're luckily in Pluckley, <laughs> you might see a schoolmaster who walks around in stripy trousers. Ooh. Or the Screaming Woods. Ah! Is that like the Screaming Trees, the band from the 90s? No, it's more like the Screaming Woods from a few episodes ago where the monks were killed. Then there's Canterbury. Which is also in Kent. And everybody knows about Canterbury because of the Canterbury Tales and the Cathedral and all that stuff. But that's not the most exciting ghost stuff in Canterbury. Oh, no. Do you know about Tiny Tim's Tea Room? No. Tiny Tim's Tea Room is haunted by the spirits of three kids whose remains were actually found in the walls during a restoration of the tea room. Well, that's another place we have to go to now in England. Tiny Tim's Tea Room in Canterbury, Kent. Or Pluckley. Luckily and pluckily. Uh, Creepy Liam goes to the library and is creepy. Well, he's not the only creepy one. Okay, she's into it too. Yes. It's clear there's a thing between Liam and Sarah. Which is okay. That's fine. That is their thing. They're adults and what they do is their own thing. Yep. But not in the library. (laughs) And not stealing stuff from from your dad to make money. Like he steals flowers. They're supposed to go to somebody else. The best ones. And he gives them to her. And it's more than a dozen roses. Which At is, the library? That's a weird place to have a big bouquet of roses. It's kind of romantic, though. 
but in a creepy kind of way. I, I know that you think that the bishops who run the pub are unappreciative of, of Bo Maker and should appreciate the ghost walk better. Yeah. But I love Mary Bishop when she's yelling at him about how it's not good for the pub to have places known as ghosts. And she says... Like right over here, you see this beam? A landlord hung himself here after killing his wife and his daughter with a cleaver. It was just a domestic tiff that got out of hand. And we don't publicize that. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Danny Webb has troubles talking to people in pubs in this show. (laughs) That's Jeff Bowmaker. Yes, because the last time it was tits in a tree. Yeah, that's true. And this time, the second time he's in the pub, he basically wishes them all dead and walks out. (laughs) Is he the only one who's been killed twice? Oh, that's a good question. I I couldn't think of anybody else who had been killed twice. I can't either. Maybe a maniac will think of somebody else who's been killed twice. An actor who's appeared in Midsummer at least twice and has been a victim both times. Not only that, he's the second victim. The second murder in both cases. After talking shit in the pub. After talking shit in the pub. <laughs> tits in a tree. <laughs> Best Midsummer line ever. <laughs> Okay, we go to Gerald's place, and I am once again completely obsessed with a piece of paper. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing among villagers in, in March Magna to have an array of historical photos and documents willy-nilly spread all over your tables. But I'm not interested in that. Oh, no? No, no. Okay. I'm interested in the Midsummer Lonely Hearts Dating Agency. Oh, my gosh. That flyer... <laughs> Is a gold mine. Midsummer Hearts, H A R T S. With a logo that makes no sense. And a photo of a girl who looks about 12. Yes. And it references, and I kid you not, I'll put this in the show notes the new fangled technology called the internet. Mm-hmm. Now, on this piece of paper, it says Gerald has 12 matches. Yes. Can you name 12 people that he is matched with? Here's what I want to know. If it's an online dating app, why are they sending him mail to tell him he's got matches? It makes no sense at all. Why is it in an email? And why does Barnaby look at it like, oh, well, he's a gross person because he's using a dating agency. Do you know when the first online dating uh, app was built? No. The first online dating service? Guess. 78. 1978? Yes. No, that's too late. Oh. It's before that. Wow. 1959 was the first computerized dating service. Wow. Happy Families Planning Service. Lonely people be lonely, man. Used a questionnaire and an IBM 650 to match people. Wow. In 65, there was a service called Operation Match, which was on IBM 1401. Also in 65, a company called Eros started at MIT. They used a Honeywell 200. These are still room-sized computers. Yes, they are. With cards. Yeah. In 68, a company called Datamate started. In the 70s, there was one called Phase 2. But my favorite one is from 1986. Okay. It's called the Matchmaker Electronic Pen Pal Network. Ooh. It was on a BBS, which is an online bulletin board, message board. Which is... 
like a mini internet. If you're too young to know about that. Yeah. yeah. They had 14 networks. So they were local networks. That's impressive. Yeah. I remember and they used to do... became matchmaker.com. I remember in the 80s, they also had phone services where you could phone up. And well, and video matchmaking, video, right? They yeah. would they would give you like five videos of people they thought you were compatible with and you could watch their personal introduction. Yep. Lonely people be lonely, man. Yeah. I was in elementary school, so I wouldn't know about it. <laughs> I wasn't into matchmaking in the so 80s. Then... <laughs> Then they go on this whole thing about Sutton on the Hill and how Gerald has this idea of Sutton on the Hill and March Magna. March Magna. He's got two maps. He's got things circled. Yeah. Like he's, it's almost like he's claiming that they are mirror images of one another or something. And I don't, but I don't know why that's important. It's understood that maybe he's related to this woman who died or something. None of it is ever referenced again. Only the fact that Caroline Maria, what's her face? Roberts, sorry. Caroline Maria Roberts, the grave that he tends, that she w- she was either born, no, she was born in Sutton on the Hill and died yeah. At the sanatorium. It, like So? Yeah. Missing scenes. There's something there that we're missing. Yeah. Some kind of conspiracy or secret. I, d- I don't know. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Okay. So also let's... in the library <laughs> is a magazine that I thought had to be fake and wasn't. No, that's right. It's called Chalk and Trees. Because that sounds like a made-up magazine. <laughs> it's like if, if it was like... Um, Pebbles and flowers. No, those would go better together. Uh, markers and twigs. <laughs> Chalk and trees is the flagship magazine of the Children's Conservation Board, full of articles and fantastic images showcasing the children's area of outstanding natural beauty. Not children's. Children. 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 Oh, well, I'll have to put a link to Are they still going? Chalk and trees. Mm-hmm. I'll have to put you a link to them in, and they'll in mail the it show to you. notes. Yeah. Okay. Let's go over Jeff's seduction techniques. <laughs> First I, of all, I believe in you. we have the I believe in you line. Yes. And which the, she should have laughed at. The I don't want to go out. I would rather stay here alone with you, Alice. Yes. <laughs> and then dress up like a skeleton and scare the shit out of people. Why does he do that? She screams her head off. And he lets her until she runs out of breath and then says, it's just me. Ha 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 ha. Well, he's full of bad jokes, right? The first time he comes, he comes into the B&B, he says, they've asked me to leave the village. Just kidding. <laughs> he's so fantastic. And Alice is like somebody from a bad sitcom. Like, oh no, they did? And he says, no. And she goes, oh, you're so funny, Jeff. Now, what I do like is there's none of this like fake innuendo stuff. They get to the bonking. He scares her. She screams her head off and then they get naked. Which I really like because it is not young, beautiful people bonking. Mm -hmm. I like that because there's not. Except that she's married and he's also sleeping with other people. That whole thing. We're going to skip over that. Okay. (laughs) But having actual adults, not new adults, having sex. Recent adults. (laughs) Is something that isn't shown enough, you know. Alluded to enough. I don't want to see it. Well, no. (laughs) 
Danny Webb's great chest hair is enough for me. Enough Danny Webb chest hair for a lifetime. (laughs) I my note says Jeff scares Alice into sleeping with him. Yes, (laughs) that is seduction technique number three. So number one is I appreciate you. Number two is I'm not going anywhere. I'd rather be alone with you. And number three is boo. Let's have sex. Barnaby and Jones go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. This is a giant building. Yeah, okay. it is. It has gates on it that are clearly say, stay out. Did you see what one of the other signs says on it? Mm-mm. Asbestos, stay out. So all these people are going to get asbestos poisoning. Okay, <laughs> never mind that. Okay, so he wants to go look at the hospital to see why it's involved in this. Yeah. That's tentative at best. Because Gerald and Faith both have all these photos of it and everything else, and the graveyard is attached to it. Why do they not have a bunch of constables with them? I don't know. Okay. Okay. And and why does Tom send Jones upstairs in a building that is clearly derelict where he could fall through the floor? Hospital, I understand. Private school, I understand. Why was this once a visitor center? I don't know. (laughs) You have very different visitor centers. It's not very welcoming. (laughs) There is so much stuff there, but it looks like a construction site, not a derelict building. There's no graffiti. There's no trash. There's no... I, I, my impression was that it was an abandoned place that was well protected. So... You know, there aren't any young Utes in the area. Liam is the youngest person in town. So there's nobody to go graffiti. And then they go back to the car and Barnaby pulls out a map. And this map is gorgeous. It is the plan of St. Fidelis Hospital, March Magna in the county of Midsummer. It looks old. It's beautifully designed. I want that hero prop (laughs) so bad. To put up in my house. If you are a prop maker who created a map for Midsummer, let us know. Oh my god! Do you know who St. Fidelis is? No. So tell me about St. Fidelis. Well, there's two important things to know about him. One, he was born in 1577. And two, he is the only saint who was a lawyer first. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was a lawyer is he a Catholic saint or? Yeah. Okay. And okay. then he quit being a lawyer to become a priest. Did he get martyred or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then his arm and his head were separated from his body and, and treated as relics. Oh, nice. Just his right arm and his head. But he was a lawyer. That's kind of un- unusual. I think. That is. That is. Faith's office door. So, right. Faith is one of the people who has the 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 spatter of uh, old photographs and weird documents around for seemingly no reason at all. She's writing something that I don't know who's going to read it. Maybe she'll win another award Maybe. for it. But did you see the door of her office, no. their front room? No. It has two pieces of masking tape on it. And one says, no dogs. And the other one says, allowed. So Echo is not allowed in her study. Oh, that's a that's an interesting little piece of character development. I'm surprised it doesn't say no Ian's allowed because they clearly do not like each other. <laughs> okay, so she's going back to the hospital, the place that's full of asbestos and walled off mm-hmm. that you can't go in legally. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And she tells Barnaby she's going there. Uh-huh. Okay. That she can barely talk to him because she's got to get there while the light is good so she can go in the basement where it's dark and take photos. <laughs> 
of the only graffiti in the hospital, which was put there by the patients on a brick column <laughs> in the basement. No sense at all. Were you surprised when somebody sneaks up on her and it's Jeff? No, I wasn't because I knew about his previous seduction technique. How about hers, though, when they meet in the cemetery at night and she dresses up like a ninja? <laughs> she even covers her face. She does. And she is so angry with Jeff in that scene. And then they go outside and kissy kiss. Yeah. So that her husband can see. Yeah. Ian sees them. He actually looks upset. Bart, I don't know if he's sad. He looks pissed. I don't like him. Mm-mm. I do not like him. And I didn't like him. And then I really don't like him. And we'll get to why I really don't like him. But then Jones is looking at an old piece of news. Mm-hmm. And it's about the woman who killed herself. From the one-story balcony? From? She fell 10 feet and she, died. She fell, let's say, 15. You're being nice. If she jumped up first, <laughs> she had a little trampoline up there, boring, boring, and jumped up and then down, maybe. I'm a little confused, though. Mm-hmm. Because the title of the article is, and I double-checked this, Young Lady's Suicide. So you would think that was L-A-D-Y apostrophe S. Yes. But it's Young Ladies, plural. D-I-E-S? D-I-E-S. As in dies. <laughs> Mark, you've uncovered a conspiracy. She's how, not the only one. How many ladies die <laughs> in this one suicide attempt here? <laughs> and shouldn't it be Young Ladies Suicides? <laughs> I don't know anymore. I'm confused now. I'm completely confused. I do know that all the doctors and nurses at St. Fidelis were um, munchkins. They had tiny little doors. Because <laughs> the door in the wall that they were supposedly going in and out of, you know, to to not be seen going into the hospital is maybe four feet tall. They're like Oompa Loompa doctors. <laughs> but the ghost nurse that Barnaby sees seems to be regular height. She's not an Oompa Loompa. By the way, I'd just like to say... We're over an hour into this episode, and Joyce still doesn't know if she's killed somebody or not. Yes, she does. No, that's coming up. She still doesn't know? She still doesn't know. It's like 40 minutes into the episode. She's so relieved. Oh, my gosh. But she's still kind of, and I sympathize, because I think I would feel the same way. Like, you told me that I didn't kill him, and I believe you, but I'm still shaken by the experience, because somebody was in front of my car. Yeah. And I could have killed that person. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. It doesn't excuse her slipping unpaid into a paid ghost walk, but... No, we'll get to that. I understand why she's upset about it. So Jeff wants to live with Faith. Alice wants to live with Jeff, and Jeff is using Alice. Jeff wants to be with Faith, but Faith is using Jeff. Because she says, do you... She says something really quietly, really fast. Did you hear what she said after he says he wants to be with her? Faith? Yeah. She goes... I'm Faith. First of all, she's referring to herself in the third person, which makes me dislike her immediately. <laughs> she goes, I'm Faith in name, but not by nature. Ooh, he could have said, I'm Bowmaker in name, but not in nature. <laughs> I've never made a bow in my whole life. <laughs> it's a weird line that obviously the writer worked crafted that line like maybe chose the name for the character so she could say that and he's totally like it barely it, makes the subtitles and it doesn't really fit her no like she may not feel like she's the settling down type and maybe getting married was a bad idea for her 
But she's not a go-getter around town woman. She's no. a his- freelance historian. No, and she she only cheats on her husband with Jeff. We don't that see we know of that we know. Well, this is okay. This is another thing that we've referred to in another bunch of Midsummer Maniacs episodes. No one in this town has children. No. Liam is the youngest person in town. No children at all. No. You only have children in Midsummer episodes when it's a children-centered episode. Yeah. When they need to be there. Yeah. They're not background actors, ever. My dad makes a wreath for her. She's miles away in Costin. It must take half an hour to get there. It's sad. Adam is sad. I understand he's sad, and I understand he would be upset when Gerald refused him burial rights twice. But why does he kill Gerald right now? I don't know. There's There's got to be some inciting event and not just, I happened to see him and there was a rock handy. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. That's That's the least you can do with kind of a bad motive is at least give the inciting thing that happened like and that's the thing that broke the camel's back and he snapped there's none of that there is missing scenes yeah we're missing why gerald was obsessed with this woman why the other town was important to that obsession and frankly this graveyard doesn't look full no not even close there's lots of space there yeah, there seems to be tons Plus, of space. Plus, there's lots of space around the hospital. Turn that into a local cemetery. If everybody in the village died, there'd be room there. There's only 12 of them. Almost everybody does. <laughs> All both. Two people. Then Where's Joyce? I don't know. I'm not her keeper anymore. But the pamphlet's gone. The brochure's gone. So she must have gone on the ghost walk. I was like, that's the Barnaby junk drawer right there. It is. I'm like, leave Joyce alone. If she wants to go on a ghost walk, leave her alone. And did they not, like, did Joyce not say, come on, I'm going on the ghost walk. She just no, takes she off in the car. No, let her go. Because Cully treats her like she's a child. Oh, my. Takes the brochure away from her and puts it in the drawer like, don't you look at that again, Mom. Shame on you. Now, there's You're the a one s- who showed it to her. There's a song playing there. Mm. And the unquiet grave. The song that is playing or that for some reason Tom spontaneously decides to play. Was it on when he goes in the room? No, no. no. He presses play. Yeah. And Cully's like, oh, no, not that bad music again. So I don't know how he decides. How did mom get out of her crib? I don't know how he decides to go and play it, but he does. And the song that he plays is called The Unquiet Grave. I don't think anyone who wrote this episode has ever watched a Cully episode before. She acts nothing like this. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is an, it's an old song. It's a yeah. traditional song. It, it, it fits the, the CD and its other songs. Um, and it is about this idea that there is a limit to how long you should grieve. Yes. Right? For your own good. But the idea is that if you grieve too long, not only is it not good for you, but it actually might prevent your loved one from being at rest. Yes. Right? So the the line is, um, the 12 month and a day foregone, the dead began to speak. Oh, who sits weeping on my grave and will not let me sleep? Tis I, my love, upon my grave that will not let you sleep, for I crave one kiss of your lips, and that is all I seek. You know you know what's interesting about necrophilia? No, sorry. You crave one kiss of my cold lips, but I am one year gone. If you have one kiss of my lips, your time will not be long. 
Oh. If you kiss a corpse, it might make you sick. It might make you sick. It might. You get the TB. (laughs) But, so... I found this great site that has a history of this song amongst yeah. lots of other traditional songs. And it, it gives a timeline, and we'll put a link to it, but it gives a timeline of recordings of this song yeah. and the commentary provided yes. to give it context. And so on an album from 1959 that it was included on, um, the historian who wrote the line notes says that at the time that the song was written, if a girl was engaged to a man, she was pledged to him even if he died. And yeah. they may as well have been married, right? They might Being as well engaged have been was married. done. Yep. Right? Um, and she was bound to follow him to the spirit world. So she was doomed to die too, unless she solved certain riddles. Oh. Like, or, or performed seemingly um, impossible tasks, like fetching water from a desert, blood from a stone, or milk from the breast of a virgin. That's weird. So you get engaged, he dies, and now you're going to die unless you can do something impossible to free yourself. Another of the albums that it was included on, the line notes from 1971, said that there are other versions of these lyrics in which the dead person threatens to tear the living one to pieces. Well, that well that come that's the Giorgio Romero version. Yeah. <laughs> that's the Night of the Living Dead version of this song. Yeah. It's a little bit more modern. Um, but uh, if if absolute fidelity can't be sworn to. So if you're engaged and he dies and you don't and you get remarried or fall in love again he may rise from the grave and tear you to pieces jeff goes out on the the second of the ghost walks and is wearing a fantastic coat he gets barred for life from the from he kind of asks for it <laughs> again <laughs> he's burning bridges this, in the pub this actor shows up burns bridges in the pub gets killed and it's done he's basically out. yes <laughs> Tell me about his coat, because both of the coats that he wears, his regular black jacket, Mm -hmm. the blazer one, I like that one. That's a nice coat. But the The one he wears wears as his costume for the the ghost walks is called a Victorian great coat or an Inverness coat. Which is gorgeous. So it has a little cape on top that's like a second layer, and it has a collar that kind of pops and buttons down the front. It is a great Lantern. A lantern, yeah. It's called an Inverness coat, and the cape is usually detachable. Okay. So it's a layer to ca- um, help rain fall uh, fall off of you and away okay. from you instead of yeah. um, soaking in. If you go to historicalemporium.com, you can buy one for 100 bucks. Or only like 100 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's not wool. Oh, okay. But it, it looks pretty good. Because his, his I was is, surprised. His is wool. Yeah, his, his is, is nice. super nice. His came from the costume department. Yeah. But yeah, historicalemporium.com. I was like, where can I buy Inverness coat? Okay. Oh. So I have a question. Hmm. Is it a smart plan to plan a business outing where you do tours at an establishment that is both illegal and full of asbestos? And uh, probably not safe yes and you you have mentioned that it's illegal you've actually said those words yes okay is it also a bad idea to then tell the cops you're going to do it i just think he doesn't think anybody's really gonna care okay the cops should have like tons of like uh, it's just and then barnaby drives up to it right at the end did you notice that i'm like how does he drive up to it he he drove right through those gates he did Boom. okay now here's another flaw in this episode that I can't explain. No. 
Liam and Sarah get all dressed up in their ninja gear and go to the hospital like they've got some kind of plan. But we have no idea what that plan is or why they're doing it. They say they need to liven up the ghost walk, which is what? Why? So they're going there to play a trick on Jeff Bowmaker to be like, Ooh. also, I'm going to say this. why the previous scene with Liam and Sarah, first of all, when she's in the tub. Yeah. Like, okay, you see Liam and Sarah at the library and they're kind of flirting and stuff. He's at her house at night and she's naked. Okay. Yeah, they're they, a thing. They're a thing. Yeah. Okay. And they're drinking wine. Mm-hmm. Okay. She is anyway. Do you know of any human who would get out of a bath, get all dressed up in your ninja gear and then go to... to no, to me, uh, that's like a winding down thing, not yeah. a before we go scare people in the old TB asbestos hospital... Let me take a nice, relaxing bubble bath. It, it makes no sense. There are scenes missing. Or out of order, maybe. Something. So my impression is that they've decided to go play a trick on Jeff. Why? I don't know. But they're they're going to spice it up. They've got some cheesecloth. She's going to go, ooh. And at this point, I actually like Liam and Sarah because they're doing their thing. Yeah, they're not hurting anybody. They're not hurting. But then they go to the hospital. And I'm like, why are they doing so then, and we need to talk about this. Faith sees Jeff outside of the hotel. Mm-hmm. And she says, you have to be careful because my husband knows. Mm-hmm. And she comes out of the and shadows. she's clearly been beaten. She's been beaten. Yeah. He is reprehensible. Yeah. Ian has hit her. It's very clear. And I think they missed a moment there. I, w- I wish they had a scene where... Jeff, like, shows... Ian's lights out? Or shows some tenderness there. Yeah. And said he's like, gotta go. Yeah. Like, showed said, we need to... That's not okay. Like, just touched her face and said, that's never gonna happen again. That's never gonna happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, something. It, It glossed over way too fast. Something really serious. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Everybody's going to the hospital tonight, including Joyce. Joyce is already there. And man, does she scream. When Jeff goes over the banister, we get this shot of her that's better than when she's on stage and the guy slits his own yep. throat. So Liam goes upstairs because he hears a noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah goes to put her sheet on. which We don't know. Anyway. Jeff does some good acting here. Yes. Staircase of the damned. Staircase of the damned. He doesn't let the tour goers go up the stairs, at least. He keeps them safe on the ground floor. On the, safe on, on the, the ground floor. At even least though, at the bend of the stairs. Even though Joyce almost kills herself. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes over the banister. In the recreatment of the crime, Peach is screaming. Yeah. You would hear that. Yeah. You would see him. Okay, so here's what I think they're trying to do. I think this is the order that things happen in. Jeff goes upstairs, runs in to Adam Peach, who wants to kill him. Because he thinks that he doesn't know. He thinks he knows that he killed Gerald. That he saw him kill Gerald. Give us a scene where he's worried about that, where he overhears them talking about it. No, no, no. That's not important. That's just plot. Sorry. (laughs) So we don't have to include it, right? So... Jeff runs into Adam, and when Adam is shouting at Jeff, and when Liam is shouting at his dad, Sarah comes out, and all the people on the tour are focused on her, so which is the opposite direction. Yep. They're screaming their heads off, so they don't hear Adam and Jeff upstairs. I think that Liam and Sarah are a late add-on, because they were like, 
crap, what are we going to... They would see him. And they don't see him because Adam has a 10-foot pole. Yes. That he uses to shove Jeff over the railing, which prevents anybody on the ground floor from seeing him. What happens when you poke Jeff with a 10-foot pole? He goes over the stairway of the damned. Yes. (laughs) And lands on his head, apparently. Stairway of the The damned. He falls a whole 10 feet and he's dead. Yep. And somehow... Tom has put all this together because Jones has done some research. Yes. And found out that Adam has applied for his wife to be buried there and Gerald denied it. And so that's That's why why Adam is, yeah, Adam's on a homicidal streak. Yeah. So they go to the flower shop and Jessica, Jessica, Jessica's worried about Liam and he's like, we're not here to see Liam. How, how do they know? Jones did some research. Okay. He found it in the microfiche. So then they the go. The magical microfiche and the 10-foot pole. That go, explains everything. They go and talk to. Liam's not there because he's at the hospital. No, no. He's he's hiding. He says, she says he's hiding. Yeah, but he's not. He's not there. He's at the hospital yeah. with Sarah. And her dad just gives it all up right away. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Because he's got the 10-foot pole in his hand when they catch him. <laughs> Did he carry it home? Did he put it in the back of the car? Or No, he found it. Okay. Right? Maybe it's a scaffolding pole. You said it was a construction spot. Yeah. Well, and Liam is standing right there going, my dad just shoved him with a pole. Yeah. He did it. I saw him. Dad, why did you do that? He did it. My dad's a killer. He did it. Yeah. <laughs> Now, how Tom knows that before he gets there, I can only chalk up to Jones's research. This episode was written by men. And the reason why we know this episode is written by men is because after spending the entire episode being gaslit, Joyce apologizes. <laughs> Poor Joyce. I'm just like, you have nothing to apologize for. But then Tom actually sees a ghost. Okay. So, so maybe Joyce was right all along. Barnaby sees an incorporeal thing. Yeah, a transparent Victorian nurse. Which we've, in every other episode of this show... Ghosts are not real. Nothing supernatural is real. Nope. And Barnaby has been specific that he does not believe in supernatural. Maybe he's hallucinating from stuff that he inhaled at the old hospital. That's the only thing I can think of. He's got asbestos poisoning. So (laughs) then he lies to Joyce. It would be upsetting to her if he said, I saw ghosts, right? She doesn't need that. Who is the woman that Joyce almost hits? Because it's not the same thing. I don't think it's necessarily a woman. It's a person in a cloak. And I think we're supposed to believe that it it was Adam Peach coming back from the cemetery after killing Gerald. (sighs) Which is why nobody ever comes forward and says, I'm the one who crossed the road. I'm sorry. Maybe. Missing scenes. It's either Gerald going to the cemetery or Adam coming back. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Does it work? No, no. But that's that's all we got. No. The lesson is, if you want to shove somebody over a banister and you don't want anybody to see you do it, bring Use a pole. Use a ten foot pole. Bring a pole. Okay. Best corpse. Nice corpse. Gerald or Jeff? Okay. So, I love the actor. Danny Webb. Danny Webb. Yes. He's fantastic, but he's a kind of boring dead body here. Yeah. He's kind of fresh to be interesting. 
But Gerald <laughs> has a mouthful of dirt. And he has to touch George's crotch and yes. can't do anything about it. <laughs> yep. Which means Gerald is our winner. Yep, Gerald gets best corpse. After the credits... Liam is broken. His father killed a man in front of him. Can you imagine how upsetting that would be for you? That would be upsetting, but I think he and Jessica seem close, even though he's creepy sometimes. And I think he and Sarah are okay. I hope he finds happiness I think with he'll Sarah. get over it. I, I'm going that the... That Faith and her husband break up. Yes. I'm hoping she tells Barnaby that he hit her and... Presses charges. Presses charges. That would be nice. Yes. Jessica is also not right, but at least she has work to fall back on. Yeah. She runs the flower shop. Yeah. She'll keep the the peach perfect flowers going. I have to think that Alice and John also break up. I don't think so. They probably up. They probably should. Haircut? (laughs) They probably should, but I think they're the kind of people who will fall back into old patterns. Well, he's got the TB. Did you? Okay, so TB is portrayed as this old-timey disease in this episode. People still die of TB. In 2018, there were more than 10 million active cases of TB, and over 1.5 million people died worldwide because of TB. In 2018. In one year? Yeah. Wow, that's horrible. It's a bacterial infection. Especially since it can be treated. Yep. I don't think you can be completely cured of it. No, but there's a vaccine and stuff. Plus, when you're treated for it, the damage that it does is yeah. long-lasting. Yeah, I they saw can't some cure that. horrible, horrible pictures of Yeah, lungs. I'm not Googling that stuff. No, it's bad. The bishops are going to keep the pub. Okay. And all five customers. Here is my comment on that. This town goes to ruin. Because Jeff was holding it together? Who else was? At least he was bringing new people in. What was going on there before Jeff showed up? I don't know. (laughs) Horrible movies. This movie is terrible. Ha, I bet Mark's seen it. This episode should have been a ghosty episode. It should have been a Halloween episode. It was on in the fall. It, it was filmed been, in the it fall. It could have been creepy. Could have. It could have been fun creepy. But it wasn't. No. Luckily, two of the actors who are in this episode were in creepy movies. Okay. I have two okay. horrible movies I bet you've seen. Okay. Though I'm betting against it. Okay. 1987. 87? Yep. Okay. Alice, uh, Susie Atchison. Hson, who plays Alice Carver in this episode, is in this movie. Okay. And she plays a ghost in this movie, too. Oh. The tagline on the front of the VHS is, should old acquaintances be forgot or just brutally murdered? Oh. A group of friends find themselves stranded on an island with nothing but an old hotel, which seems to be stuck at New Year's in 1959, even though it's the middle of summer. A review. A distinctly original hybrid of slasher, supernatural, horror, and near surrealism, elevated by impressively executed and fittingly violent death sequences, along with one of the most absurd and jaw-dropping final twists present in any 80s horror film. Wow. Why have I not seen this movie? You haven't seen this? I don't think so. It's called Bloody New Year. Bloody New Year. So in the 80s, spawned by uh, Bloody Valentine, Mm -hmm. uh, there were kind of a whole bunch of... uh, Well, actually, Black Christmas was the first one. Yeah. 
um, and that's a 70s movie, that these holiday-related murder movies. And Friday the 13th fits in here, too, right? Well, and I think there may be a reason why you've never seen this one. You may have felt like you'd heard of it, but maybe you'd never seen it. Why did I not? I don't think that it was released in cinemas. Oh, okay. So I got to apologize. But the reason why it wasn't is so interesting that I had to keep it on my list. Okay. So uh, the re-release of it was put out by a company called Vinegar Syndrome. Okay. Okay. And at first I thought this whole thing was a ploy. But it oh. turns out this is true. Okay. And here's what's true about this movie, Bloody New Year. Okay. We'll link to the Wikipedia page for this. Yes. Because it'll have some information about this. So the the version of it that was released was sourced from a 35 millimeter print that was the only surviving version of the movie. And it was stored poorly and it was damaged, torn frames acid chemical staining, frame warping, all this kind of stuff. And this company called Vinegar Syndrome restored it and released it in 85. Wow. When was it originally? 87, sorry. When was it originally shot? Just a few years before that. So in the film industry, particularly in the 70s and 80s, film stock and film cameras went down hugely in price. Yeah. And because of that, there were so many more movies made during that time period because people could make them. This is really the birth of independent film. Yeah. And because of... This was directed by the same guy who directed Suspiria. Oh, okay. It's not a little independent movie made by five friends on an island. Why have I not seen this movie? Okay, put it on your list. Um, (laughs) But there was such a glut of movies then that were not saved. Yeah. Like, there are movies that we have from the 40s that are in better condition than some than some from the 80s. Yeah. I just thought this whole, oh, the the original print was damaged and we've restored it. I thought that was some kind no, of ploy no, I to totally promote the movie, but, but I don't think it was. Okay. Well, we'll put a link to all this information in the show notes. All right. So that's one point for me, but kind of not because it's yeah. understandable. But the second one, I'm a little bit worried about because I think I'm probably not going to get a point for this. Okay. One. So Christina Cole, who plays Sarah Sharp, yep. stars in this movie. Okay. From she- 2009. Yeah. It's she's the co-star. Yes. Six documentary filmmakers who attempt to survive their visit to a Philippine island to shoot a survival special when they discover that the shape-shifting, bloodthirsty Aswang, a creature of Philippine folklore, inhabits the island. Yeah, I've seen that. I don't know what it's called, but I've definitely seen it. Do you remember who stars in it? I'll give you a point. A guy from 90210? No. Okay. Billy Zane. Billy Zane, that's right. Yeah. Yep. If you can't quite place Billy Zane, just Google him. You've seen him. Yeah. The movie is called Surviving Evil. Yep. From 2009. Yep. I definitely have I'll seen I'll give that. you a half point. Yep. I'll give you a half point for the other one, too, because I don't think I was fair. Yes. <laughs> I'll take a point wherever I can get them. Bloody New Year. I know at least one guy dies by being buried up to the neck in the sand, and then somebody takes a boat motor to him. Ooh. There's a screenshot of that on IMDb. You Not can, a good way to go. You can find Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, <laughs> on that Instagram, and email at midsummermaniacs at gmail.com. We also post on Facebook groups and for uh, Midsummer and Acorn, which you can also send us audio that way and information Mm -hmm. that way. And the subreddit, which again, has been busy this week, where you also find other maniacs. So please, please don't forget, we want your best Tom Barnaby 
bits. Sign it, send it. Best Tom, Bar- best Barnaby bits. Midsummermaniacs at gmail.com. Yep. Send them along. We we cannot wait to hear them. We are not hard to get a hold of. We've only got a few weeks to prepare this, so send them in. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit the bell for information about when we post again. Next episode, 78, season 13, episode 5, Masterclass. Uh, Yeah. It's problematic. Not a well-liked episode. It's just dark. It's dark. It's not a badly written episode. It's just not fun. I'm... I'm, but we will do our best to I've, find some some fun. I've been dreading it, and I think it will be better than I think it is. Good. So We usually pull it out. We usually find something funny. Well, we do. <laughs> Thanks for listening. So until then, don't um, dig up any corpses to kiss them. That's a bad idea. Keep the 10-foot pole away from the crazy guy. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. See, it's the whole freezing, vibrating until you shatter thing that kind of weirds me out. See, I'm okay with that, especially if I got to choose the frequency that I shatter at. <laughs> um, and second of all, though, I don't, I don't want them to recycle me. I want, put me in the freezer. I'll be cold forever then. It would be awesome. No, you'd be like a Mark smoothie if you ever thawed. That would be gross. <laughs> the power goes out and you're a Mark smoothie. That's not cool.